Welcome back, everybody, to Go Help Yourself. This is a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. If you want to just, oh, so slightly, very marginally, possibly improve your life, you've come to the right place. (laughs) The lovely woman giggling. What? The value add we bring to the lives of our listeners is unprecedented. Inimitable. You saw it here first. And as I say, sometimes guaranteed satisfaction or your money back. Every cent that you paid into this podcast, you will get back. Do I get my money back? No, you don't. Nope. Lisa and I just keep shelling out for the episodes. For free. We're basically philanthropists. So this is, I love you too. And by the way, everybody, we're coming in hot today because A, I just woke up (laughs) and B, we haven't recorded in a minute. Like it's been a few weeks. It's Halloween. It's the spookiest time of the year. There was a full moon, I believe, last night. We're Mm -hmm. three days out from election day and our bodies have just given up. Yeah, that's no, actually, they have because Lisa, I woke up with the neck thing again and couldn't look I to the too. right. I okay, oh, there's some, <gasps> but I can't guys, go left. Spooky full moon shit happening. But here's the thing so we record, obviously, these are book reviews. If you didn't know that yet, welcome. These are book reviews, and we need time to read and edit the episode. So we're always a couple weeks behind what the actual date of the world is when the mm-hmm. episodes come out. So for us, it is Halloween day. Mm-hmm. Very anti-climactic. Misty is dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I <laughs> am dressed. Misty, tell them how I'm dressed. Lisa, you are dressed as Betsy, whose last name I can't remember, the woman who sewed the American flag. Betsy Ross? Betsy Ross. That's right. I was going for a witch Betsy Ross, but apparently oh, that didn't that, translate. Oh, I thought something was just going on with your teeth. So <laughs> anyway, oh my God. On this podcast, on Friday episodes, full frontal Friday episodes, we read and review a popular self-help book. We are trying to let you know the main overview of the book, including any problems we had with it, joys we gleaned from it, ways Mm -hmm. it can be useful, ways it might be harmful if you don't approach it the correct way, or things the author left out so that you'll know in less than an hour, is this book worth your time? Is it going to serve you? That is our goal. Misty will always find the joys and I will always find the bullshit. That is absolutely correct. And sometimes in a surprising twist of events, we completely reverse roles and we don't see it coming. (laughs) We do. See our last Bruce Bryan's episode. Oh my God. Anyway, and then on Tuesdays, we do a mini-sode. It's where we try to walk the walk of self-help instead of just talking the talk. We check in on our homework from each book. We have all sorts of fun supplemental material and... We're just going to get on with it. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Well, so Lisa, Lisa, what do you have for us today? So Misty, our longtime loyal listeners or new longtime loyal listeners, we've had quite a few, I will say. And just here at the top, if you haven't rated or reviewed us or subscribed, please do because it is helping a lot of people find us in this. Yes. The reviews in particular storm are really of a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people are really finding a lot of hope. A lot of podcasts are going down, but people are finding, in numbers. finding ours. In downloads and download numbers. Yeah. Ours is 
providing sustenance for people when they don't have the patience to read a book. And I understand. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you may remember at the end of last year, I bought us some books that spanned the gamut (laughs) of (laughs) self-help. And earlier this year, I read Oracle at the Supermarket which yeah. gave us the origins of self-help. And mm-hmm. here at the end of the year, Misty, I'm bringing us the original book, Self-Help by Samuel Smiles. I mean, is this like the OG? OG? Well, yes. I mean, people like Aristotle, as we read, like people credit him oh, with yeah. writing self-help the books. And there, was some, like, <laughs> there were some like etiquette books and things like that. But this, mm-hmm. this is the book that started the path that led to us. So like the modern day. It really did. So that's what I'm bringing to you. It was originally copyrighted in 1859. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're a hundred, almost, you know, 150 years. years, Yeah. Yeah. Here's some book prices. The workbook style that I read, which you can see and is literally like a, a workbook. Book. And that's the best way I can describe it. It's eight and a half by 11. It's large, mm-hmm. $8.99. It's free on Kindle and free online because after several reproductions, the estate did not renew the copyright, oh. but I didn't want to read it online. On Audible, it is $20.99, narrated by Walter Dixon. Amazing return on your money. Thank you. Also, what do you think the author would have thought if he heard that his book was selling for $20.99? We'll get this. in 1859. You can get an 1885 copy in excellent condition for $253. Oh my God. That's a rare book. You can find later publications for like 40 or 50 and they're like, you know, in good condition. But the number of pages, it depends on what style of book you read. Mine was 138 pages because the pages are larger, but there you go. This book in one sentence, if I can sum it up for you, (laughs) is one one white Scotsman idea of how to better a nation. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm so here for this already. Okay. Bring so it to us. A little bit about the author. This is from Wikipedia. Samuel Smiles, born 1812, died 1904, was a Scottish author and government reformer. And you may remember from our very first trivia, self-help is not about self-help. It's about making a better electorate Mm. for a better nation. Let's see. He concluded progress would come from new attitudes versus new laws. More progress would come from attitudes versus laws. And his masterpiece, Self-Help, promoted thrift and claimed that poverty was caused largely by irresponsible habits while also attacking materialism and laissez-faire government. It has been called the Bible of mid-Victorian liberalism and raised smiles to celebrity status overnight. Can we kind of point to him as the main fucking problem for saying that poverty is a product of laziness? Well, you might remember that as Elizabeth Gilbert said in Big Magic, and he also says in this book, that ideas kind of foment around the world at the same time. And you might Mm -hmm. remember that New Age thought was also kind of saying that like it comes from over here and you have to be dedicated and say these things outside of, you know, like... It was all kind of around that time. Okay. It was just kind of, I think, the evolution of humans. He was not very successful in his previous careers as a doctor and a journalist. He joined several cooperative ventures, but they failed for lack of capital. Disillusioned, he turned away from middle-class utopianism. He finally found intellectual refuge and national fame in the isolation of self-help. 
Should we trust someone who was not, quote, not very successful as a doctor? It's a great question. It's a great question. Also, it's hard to trust somebody who wrote this only for white men and is a ghost. (laughs) Welcome to Spooktacular. Go help yourself. Shocktober. Go help yourself. (laughs) Okay, so this is my favorite story. (laughs) The newly founded Routledge Publishing House rejected publishing self-help in 1855. 20 years later, Smiles was seated next to George Routledge at a dinner, and he said to him, And when, Dr. Smiles, are we to have the honor of publishing one of your books? Smiles replied that Mr. Routledge already had the honor of rejecting self-help. And although another person was willing to publish self-help on a half-profit system, he rejected this as he did not want the book to lose its anecdotes. Because somebody would have edited it out, let me tell you. I'll say more about that later. <laughs> so in 1859, he self-published the book, retained the copyright, while he paid John Murray, the publisher, a 10% commission. It sold 20,000 copies within one year of its publication. Oh, my you God. And think about- at that time, there were only 19,000 human beings on the earth. So, like, how did that? <laughs> That's just math. But this is before paperback books. So to sell 20,000 hardback Holy books. Shit. Yes. So by the time of his death in 1904, it had sold over a quarter of a million copies. Oh my God. Self-help brought him to celebrity status and he became a leading pundit and much consulted guru. He suddenly became the fashion and he was deluged with requests that he should lay foundation stones, sit for his portrait, present prizes to orphan children, make speeches from platforms. This simple fellow was pleased with these invitations, but naturally he could not accept. He had his work to do. His duty did not lie on any public platform. It lay in office with his work, which I thought was really interesting. He kind of really does it. so funny. I was not expecting that at all because of covering Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I was expecting this to be like another sort of fame-hungry. So I think those people wrote those books to get rich, and I think he Mm -hmm. wrote this book to truly improve the the nation through his mind. Now, there's another article that I'm going to tell you about this book. Uh, It's from Timeline, and the link will be in show notes. It says that he was a political reformer. He gave frequent lectures about his vision for improving civilization. And essential to his philosophy was this belief that to build a better society, the focus should shift to the individual, not to laws or programs. He asserted Mm. that a country was tethered to its people for better or worse. A strong population would strengthen a weak government just as a weak population would weaken a strong ones. And the Mm. virtues and strength of the people were of chief importance. If this view be correct, Smiles wrote, then it follows that the, oh, hold on, Scottish. If this view be correct, correct, then it follows that the highest patriotism and philanthropy consists in helping and stimulating men, I don't know what that accent is, to elevate and improve themselves by their own free and independent individual action. Yeah, so I could help you stimulate some men. So you can use, thank you, and can you stimulate my Scottish accent? His book was a success, welcomed by both the elite and the masses that aimed to advise. It was not surprising when those in power came to appreciate his endorsement of hard work, thrift, and sobriety, but he would have to do more than this to capture the minds of the average and ideally ambitious individual. It was not an etiquette book. It wasn't only meant to instruct, it was meant to inspire. The book spoke of high achievement, examining the lives and habits of eminent men like James Watt, Sir Walter Scott, and Napoleon. 
Self-help implied that by heeding its wisdom, one could get closer to greatness. And the message caught on. By the time of his death, yeah, it sold a quarter of a million copies. And then finding extended audience in translation in the United States. Wow. So this is really a man on a mission. Yeah. I mean, it was a mission to make the world look like he wanted it to look, which is always creepy. As I have finished the vow and started Seduced on Stars. That's how every cult starts. Okay. So there are 13 chapters with an introduction and a preface. Here are the chapters. Chapter one, self-help, national and individual. Chapter two, leaders of industry, inventors and producers. Chapter three, the great potters, Palissy, Botker, and Wedgwood. Chapter four, application and perseverance. Chapter five, helps and opportunities, scientific pursuits. Chapter six, workers in art. Chapter seven, industry and the peerage. Chapter 8, Energy and Courage. Chapter 9, Men of Business. Chapter 10, Money, Its Use and Abuse. Chapter 11, Self-Culture, Facilities and Difficulties. I wanted to read that as Facilities and Difficulties. (laughs) Chapter 12, Models. And Chapter 13, Character, The True Gentleman. So in the overview, he states in the preface that this book is for young men. And they're from his own observations and jottings, as he calls them, with no and view he, for... I'm po- sure he meant young white men. Oh, well, he was Scottish. So, yes. Yeah, he meant for you. Yeah. They were observations and jottings, as he called them, with no view for publication. And that, quote, the duty of helping oneself in the highest sense involves the helping of one's neighbors. So the purpose of this book is to reteach these old-fashioned but wholesome lessons that Youth must work in order to enjoy, and nothing worth achieving can be done without application and diligence, and students must have patience and perseverance, and above all, he must seek elevation of character, without which capacity is worthless and worldly success is not, and all that. It always speaks on, like, the highest level from moment one. Wow. And in the introduction, he explains that there was this group of young men who started out like two or three and they they were teaching each other what the others didn't know. Their goal was to learn more. They weren't educated and it grew and grew and grew. So like some nights they would just sit together and like get a textbook and read and try to learn math or geometry and other, and that grew and grew and grew to where some people were teaching what they knew to others. And it finally got so big, they had to rent a room and there were like a hundred of them, a hundred men who after work would get together for the sole purpose of learning. And at this point, they asked someone to come and lecture, or as they said, quote, speak to them a bit. And he prepared a few words for encouragement. And he says, and in this spirit, I addressed them on more than one occasion, citing examples of what other men had done as illustrations of what each might in a greater less or less degree do for himself and pointing out that their happiness and well-being as individuals in afterlife must necessarily depend mainly upon themselves, upon their own diligent self-culture, self-discipline, discipline, and self-control, and above all, on that honest and upright performance of individual duty, which is the glory of manly character. So mm. I intuit that this book is built basically off of like his preparation for lectures. And I'll be honest... I did not read this entire book. Each chapter set up with quotes at the top, maybe even in different languages without translation, and then a brief paragraph or two enumerating his thoughts on the topic. And then he launches into examples of his idea forever. These are life stories of men who demonstrate the particular skill he's talking about or industries and how they apply. And once I figured that out, because we don't have time to talk about William Lee, who invented the stocking frame from his poor birth all the way to his successful death, 
So mea culpa, <laughs> but honestly, ooh, I didn't, I, I wasn't here for that. It was that. just a lot. Yeah. Okay. So he basically gets out the main point of the chapter right at the top and then spends the rest of the chapter just anecdoting it. Like yeah. Just, I mean, he might put in like a tiny sentence or paragraph in between there, just renumerating it. Mm-hmm. Renumerating is that a word? Enumer- re- yeah, re-enumerating. I'm great. making it. Those are words. A- <laughs> Letters thrown together is a word. Uh-huh. And, and because this it. is a reprint, and the copyright hasn't been renewed, there are some in my copy. There were editorial errors here and there. Interesting. Yeah, but, but I mean, like it's so reminiscent of Think and Grow Rich, and what is the other one? Oh, uh, how, to how to win, to win friends, friends and influence people. Yeah. It's literally like Dale Carnegie will be like. Remember someone's name. And that's like the point of the chapter. And then he will, t- for like 14 pages, will just tell you stories about people who remembered people's names. And you're and like, I'm like, whatever, it. Dirk, I get it. So I'm just going to briefly summarize these chapters for you. Literally, I have like one paragraph for each chapter. Can you do it in 30 seconds or less? Go. Each chapter, maybe. Okay. <laughs> chapter one, self-help, national individual. Basically, heaven helps those who help themselves. He says, whatever is done for men or for classes takes away their desire or necessity for doing it for themselves. And overguidance mm-hmm. and overgovernment renders them helpless. Basically, he argues that the worth and strength of a nation is less about the institutions and more about the character of its men. Thank you. Mm. How the humblest or poorest men can influence many people and therefore the nation by being upstanding individuals. And there is some mention about how women can either elevate their husbands or degrade them. So I mean, that's what we're here for. Yep. Men must be their own best helpers. And we all have husbands, as we thank know. Thank you. I have and three. Thank you. You have to help three men. Ultimately, your idea of the next chapter that would make the most sense is about potters. So the great potters, um, Palisade, <laughs> Botker, and Wedgwood, he says that labor, mm-hmm, labor okay. is not only a necessity and a duty, but a blessing, and only the idler feels it to be a curse. I do love being able to quote this at liberty because the copyright ran out and just be able to say exactly what it is. You know what I mean? Not having to finesse yeah. it. Well, typically, if you're reviewing something, you know, and you're well, we say it, like he okay. said, but I don't have to do that. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't have to say quote quote because the copyright ran yeah, out. Baby. But he says, when the demands of industry are found to press upon the resources of inve- inventors, you will generally find the same idea floating about in many minds, like I was mentioning earlier. Such Mm -hmm. has been the case with the steam engine, the safety lamp, the electric telegraph, and many other inventions. Many ingenious minds labor in the throes of invention until at length the mastermind, the strong practical man, steps forward and straightway delivers them of of their idea, applies the principle successfully, and the thing is done. Then there is a loud outcry amongst all the smaller contrivers who see themselves distanced in the race. You know what that reminds me of, though? Mm. Cal Newport explained in So Good They Can't Ignore You why so many scientific breakthroughs seem to happen at the same time or inventions seem to happen at the same time. And he talks about that concept of the adjacent possible. Mm -hmm. We can only use the latest information we have to then think just what's adjacent of possible. Yeah, And that is why you have people isolating the oxygen molecule, you know, within three yeah. or four years of each other, that kind of a thing. So, And Elizabeth Gilbert would say that that's because ideas float around outside of us. 
I know, which is, but when she says it, it feels so charming. Yeah, because you have an idea and whether, and if you, her combined with Samuel smiles, if you work hard at it, persevere, you know, and show you're a conduit that will help bring it into existence. (laughs) Yeah, right. Maybe it's a little bit in between. Okay. Chapter three, application and perseverance. You're never going to guess what this chapter is about. Be patient. Naps (laughs) and wanting things now, now, now. You got it. He says, be patient. The greatest results in life are usually attained by simple means and the exercise of ordinary qualities. The common life of every day with its cares, necessities, and duties affords ample opportunity for acquiring experience of the best kind, and its most beaten paths provide the true worker with abundant scope for effort and room for self-improvement. The great high road of human welfare lies along the old highway of steadfast well-doing, and they who are most persistent and work in the truest spirit will invariably be the most successful. I mean, he doesn't say anything new. He doesn't, but let me tell you the lens through which I was listening to that. First, I thought, man, that that would be so nice to read as if you're a laborer in the 1800s and you were going, no, he's right. If I just keep showing up at work and trying my hardest, I'm going to have wonderful experiences and a wonderful life. And he who works the hardest will have the richest spoils or whatever he said. And then I shifted into... I was an executive assistant for almost a decade. And let me tell you, I was so hardworking. I was so diligent. I did all the correct toiling. I was good at my job. I worked yeah. for a lot of high-level people. Samuel and I, I adds another I'm sitting element. here in a pile of money. So the point is, I go. can tell you that it works. It works. And it's true. Well, he adds another element. He says, genius is only common sense intensified. Failure obviously comes with labor, but you wait patiently, but cheerfully. Therefore, you must toil cheerfully. Okay, so now we're getting into like controlling the masses, Uh right? Oh, if you're not happy with your job or your working conditions, like just wait there cheerfully. Right, like cheerfully toil and you will be rewarded. Although we know that that is not true. Okay, Um, (laughs) chapter four helps an opportunity, scientific pursuits. Stamp. No. How much of this is uh stamp? How much of this is actual science? None. The secret of success in business, in art, in science, and in everything is close observation. This leads to quote accidents and quote discoveries and the art of seizing opportunities. But it is not accident that helps man, but purpose and persistent industry. To feeble and sluggish accidents avail nothing. So industry in the original meaning was like skill and effort. Mm -hmm. That's the most I can give you from that chapter. But you know what? Aristotle really acknowledged, and a lot of the Stoics acknowledged just how much luck plays a role. When I hear him saying accident, I'm hearing luck. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Would you say that's right? Yeah, You're absolutely right. I'm going to just give you an example of some of the people he talks about in this chapter. We talk about the Marquis of Worcester. We talk about Newton. We talk about Sir Walter Scott. We talk about Sir Humphrey Davy. We talk mm-hmm. about the great 
Cuvier. We talk about yes, Tessier. We talk oh, about yes. Dr. Mason Good. We talk about... Oh my God, stop. There's too nope, many. Keeps, oh, nope, nope. I mean, that's... We still have so many. We still have... Dr. In one chapter? Yeah, it's just... Oh, William Smith, the father of English geology. Got we, it. Yeah. We talk about, so, so that's how the rest of that goes. It's like, here's yeah. another guy who did what I said and is, is revered. Here's another guy who did what I say you have to do and is revered. Okay. Workers in art, chapter five. Excellence, Misty, in art, as in everything else, can only be achieved by the dint of painstaking labor. I asked Alexa what dint meant. She told me it means force or power. And some of the greatest artists had to force their way out of poverty with hard work and sheer industry. Again, cleverness and skill. That's it. Okay. Chapter six, industry (laughs) and the peerage. So peerage is the honorary class or the titled class. And guess what? The humblest origins of people can rise to peerage with hard work, perseverance, and labor. Chapter seven. What about industry? I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Chapter seven, energy, energy, and energy, energy, and courage. What's happening to you? (laughs) Well, I'm turning into some sort of woman who needs to support a man in his industry. Um, Lisa, you've always been that. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) Can I tell you this side story today, uh, this week? I don't know what happened. We were talking, I was talking to my best friend, but it came up about something about like, I was like, this is why I'm not in a relationship. Because if I was married for 60 years and my partner was like, I think I want to go live in Italy. I wouldn't be like, wow, let's talk about that. Or I don't know if I want to go. I would be like, enjoy your journey and God be with you. (laughs) Like do it. Bring back some pasta. Or don't. Okay. Energy and courage. (laughs) The cultivation of this quality is of the greatest importance. Are you sensing a theme that everything is of the greatest importance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it's about more than one thing, it's about nothing is what I was taught. Right. Resolute determination in the pursuit of worthy objects being the foundation of all true greatness of character. Energy enables a man to force his way through irksome drudgery and dry details and carries him onward and upward at every station in life. It accomplishes more than genius with not one half the disappointment and peril. It is not eminent talent that is required to ensure success in any pursuit so much as purpose, not merely the power to achieve, but the will to labor energetically and perseveringly and cheerfully. Cheerfully. Fully. Did you just get handed a drink? I did. I was just handed a coffee. Thank you. It's really I cool went. that Misty has gotten a whole coffee shop for herself to record in and that they're serving mm-hmm. her. That's the silver lining of the pandemic. <laughs> Chapter eight, Misty, men of business. Yes. It used to be said that men of genius were unsuited for business and business occupations unfit for the pursuit of genius. But apparently it takes a lot to be a businessman, to oversee people and books and have ideas. It's not for the common person. It's for geniuses with intensified common sense and buckets of industry. I think at that time, genius was like art, science, right? And business was labor, steel. And so he's basically saying that they can intermingle. Hold on real quick. Yeah. I will say, like, I do like what he's saying where it's like, hey— work hard. You've got to have a purpose. 
you can rise above your station. Like these are all really positive messages, you know, and it's things that we still have to kind of believe so that we're not, I don't know. Yeah. Like when I watch Downton Abbey. Capitalist society. Correct. Yes. Because if I watch Downton Abbey and it's such a great documentary of how things actually happened. Well, (laughs) Um, I'm kidding. Okay. Keep going. But it seems like people used to think like, oh, you're born into this class. You stay in this class forever. It's your your permanent fate. Yeah. You know, if you are a worker or laborer, that's all you are. If you're aristocracy, that's all you are. If you're, you know, born into- Are you ready for me to tell you that that still exists here in America and that the American dream is a lie? I don't see lie? it. Cool. I don't know. I am mean. reading the book cast that we will cover next year. And it's true. So, okay. Yeah. Chapter nine, money. It's use- and abuse. Mm-hmm. How a man uses money, makes it, saves it, and spends it is perhaps one of the best tests of his practical wisdom. Although money ought by no means be regarded as the chief end of man's life, neither is it a trifling matter to be held in philosophic content, representing as it does to so large an extent the means of physical comfort and social well-being. Indeed, Some of the finest qualities of human nature are intimately related to the right use of money, such as generosity, honesty, justice, and self-sacrifice, as well as the practical virtues of economy and providence. On the other hand, there are their counterparts of avarice, fraud, injustice, and selfishness, as displayed by inordinate lovers of gain and the vices of thriftlessness, extravagance, and improvidence on the part of those who misuse and abuse the means entrusted to them. Basically, delayed gratification is the last lesson that we learn. And then he slides into this classist argument about those who work hardest should really value their money the most that they're paid, but they're just accustomed to eat and drink up their earnings as they go. And it renders them helpless and dependent on those who are lazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's my deepest wish that everyone could have seen Lisa's face while she was doing that because she is a professional actress and it was so lovely. Chapter 10, Self-Culture, Facilities and Difficulties. So learning is only the beginning. Knowledge conquered by labor becomes a possession. It's like an intellectual property, a property entirely our own. And so to respect Mm -hmm. yourself and develop yourself, he says this is the true duty in life. And you owe it to do this to be a responsible part of society. To which I said, you don't know me, (laughs) dad. Chapter 11, Example Models. So basically... Here's what he says. For whatever may be the efficiency of our efficacy, no, efficiency of our schools, the examples set in our homes must always be a vastly greater influence in forming the characters of our future men and women. It's the only time we get named in the book that's like not how we're threatening men. Oh, yeah. You have to show a woman how best to support a man in their home. Because a teacher's not going to do it because, you know, school's a place for women. Well, At that time, teachers were men. God damn it. The home is the crystal of society, the very nucleus of national character. And from that source, be it pure or tainted, issue the habits, principles, and maxims which govern public as well as private life. The nation comes from the nursery. Public opinion itself is for the most part the outgrowth of the home. And the best philanthropy comes from the fireside. And here's the thing, like Mm. from the whole book, nothing he said is like groundbreaking. Yeah. Was it for that time, do you think? No. 
It was just maybe the first person to like no, put it I mean, all. Fucking the fox and the hound. No, the fox, the horse. The hair, the t- tortoise and the hare precedes oh. him by thousands of years. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> last last <laughs> chapter character. The I love that I made it the fox and the hound character. The true gentleman. The crown and glory of life is character. Character is human nature in its best form. I turned into like Morty on the vaudeville His Scottish accent is off the rails. He's everything to me. Gaelic? He says, though a man have comparatively little culture, slender abilities, and, and but small wealth, yet if his character be of sterling worth, he will always command an influence, whether it be in the workshop, the counting house, the mart, or the senate. And that... Is self help by Samuel Smiles. I wow, do want to also talk please. briefly about this other article that I loved. This timeline article that I mentioned. He basically talks after he talks about him about Samuel Smiles. He then talks about how self improvement books have become myopic and cynical, and best selling titles concern personal benefits like being productive, charming, wealthy, positive, ambitious, as well as whatever the hell Steve Harvey's act like a lady, think like a man is about. Oh my God. He says it's easy to know just how well selfish. The Wait, did it reference the book in that article? It does. And the picture on the article is Steve Harvey at a book signing, just being caught, like <laughs> caught in a, in a photo. And he's like, hey, it's pretty. No. It's oh my gosh. Picture. You guys, We'll put a link to that episode in show notes where we cover Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, because it is, A, it was ghostwritten by a woman, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lisa's best friend, Sarah, was a special guest presenter on that episode, but like, that book is bananas, and he didn't even write it, and it's so problematic. Well, so basically, the author of that article is saying that Samuel Smiles would hate what self-help is now because it's about improving the self for personal gain. Yeah. versus being better for society or the nation for political reform, which was truly this guy's idea. Okay, right. that's it. I'm done. Lisa, wow. That was great job. It was a lot of accents. That is 141 years old. That's <laughs> Just nuts. like me. It's interesting, right? Because it's like, and I think this is why you and I try to really think critically about these books and why we can be so hard on the authors is because what is printed and that therefore burrows into our brains after we read it, imbibe it, listen to it, hear it passed down from people, stays for centuries, you know, like it can. And the things that he's saying now are still the foundation of so many other things that came before it. Yes, Misty, it's such a good point. And the fact that 90%, 90 to 95% of all the art in museums was painted by white men. You know, all of publishing up until a certain point was, were men, right? Like scientific advances were men. Our world is shaped through the lens of what men think, predominantly white men. So I think it is incumbent upon us to always critique whatever is considered common knowledge or thought because it comes from the conqueror who writes the history, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is why we are just saying you have a platform and you have, you know, to authors, like we just keep saying like, you have a platform and 
it's going to reach people. So if you are assuming everyone else is going to do the work on critically thinking and parsing out what's right for them, you're wrong. A lot of people take it as Bible, gospel, truth, and then go on to build upon it. And this is why we've seen, you know, so many victim blaming self help books because yeah. when you get inherit that you are 100% responsible for your own circumstances or station in life because of the thoughts you think or because you're just not working hard enough that is a recipe for disaster if you're not accounting you know for societal factors mental health you know genetics yeah. all those things so anyway i'll get off my soapbox in 2 seconds but this is just to say this is why this stuff matters. This is why the critique matters. This mm-hmm. is why you have to ask yourself and kind of pay attention to your spidey senses while you're reading these books. Like, well, is this ultimately helpful? What is this advice that I'm letting penetrate, you know, my neural pathways right now? Yeah. Because this shit's crazy, you guys. I do love so the idea. crazy. That Misty, that Misty's mind, she's like, excuse me, but you're penetrating my neural pathways. Yeah. That's what, everybody doesn't have that exact same thought? No, we sure don't. (laughs) That's why I love you. Okay, Lisa, so I have some questions for you. You do. You're about to penetrate my neural pathways. I sure am. Did this book need to be written? So if it didn't, I do believe that at some point somebody would have generated the self-help genre. Yeah. So we would still be here. But also this is kind of, the original tone that started us on this path. Yeah, and I can hear in it, it's the tome that started the tone for the rest of the self-help. Like, okay. It feels so reminiscent. She is throwing out phrases left and right. And I know that I'm not supposed to clap when I say that, but I couldn't help it because it was the emoji <laughs> clapping between each word. You said penetrate my neural pathways and... It was the tome that set the tone, and that is a new catchphrase. Who wants that on a coffee mug? Everybody, merch shop. No? Okay. You you either? Okay. I think that this is the first use of the word self-help in this this context. So, yes, it is the tone that set the tone. I like that it was self-published. And I like that they didn't renew the copyright. So in my mind, the (laughs) author, well, not for me, but truly that means that it's a gift to the world. Oh, I thought you meant like, because you don't want it published anymore. Well, anyone can publish it now without paying royalties. Right. In that sense, I feel like it was truly one man's gift to the world instead of how to be a badass and let me do three follow-up books and let me, you know what I mean? Right. Like it was- Right, and- the fact that he like self-published at a time where it was not as simple as submitting a PDF to Amazon, you know, to self-publish and hard covers, like that's crazy. And very few homes had books, especially the people yeah. that he was talking to. So so he made everybody feel special, mm-hmm. seen, responsible. He was able to talk accessible. to both the elite and and the working class. And then everybody had this thing in common, this like way of thinking in common. That is really some powerful stuff. Yeah, without religion, if you'll note. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, Lisa, what did you try to put into practice from this book and how did it affect you? Well, what I put into practice was not reading every word and it affected me greatly because after reading the first chapter and I was like, oh, this is what's going on? No, 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 no. And so what I put into practice was recognizing when I didn't need to ingest and let somebody penetrate my neural pathways. Um, and but I is it. that something from the book? 
well, it is from within the book. But no, like <laughs> there's nothing that they said here that was new. I mean, I'm not yeah. a person who's going to toil cheerfully. Like I'm happy at work and I'm a fun worker, but like, yeah. you know, I'm in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not. Yeah. And for our longtime loyal listeners, our LLLs, welcome all new LLLs. We cherish our quote unquote negative emotions. Yeah. We cherish being able to feel everything and live wholeheartedly. Yeah. So fuck toiling cheerfully and fuck toiling. Do you feel the author missed anything? Yeah. Women. Classism. Just leave it there. Just leave it there. <laughs> Women. Sexism. Classism. Racism. Intersectionality. Yeah, that's what I was mm-hmm. missing. Not, not even understood okay. at the time. And I wish everything had been written phonetically in a Scottish accent. So that's so just going to be been my easier for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who would you buy this book for and who would you never buy it for? I would buy this book for my grandmother if she could still read. Because I think it would really like remind her of like, yes, Vivian. these are the things, you know, that like you can, the old school principles, right? And those yeah. beliefs in the American dream. I would never buy it for a youth of today because it promises something that cannot be fulfilled, cannot be promised to be fulfilled. Thank you. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Do you have any homework for me? Oh my God, no. Unless you want Thank me to you. ask you to toil cheerfully. No, and I'd say my character's flawless, and it just really can't be improved any further. So I think there you we have can it. all agree there you have it. that, you know, listen, at some point, Lisa and I will be in the middle. Here's my hope. Lisa and I will be in the middle of recording a podcast episode, and we will simultaneously fully self-actualize and be raptured. <laughs> and like, all that will be left of knowledge. is just a quick time running forever. And empty clothes, <laughs> just like in The Leftovers. <laughs> no, I think... And you just hear the call of an exotic bird, like, Ca-ca! I mean, if somebody does want to try something from this book, what I might yeah. recommend is this idea of thinking about what you learned and how that is your intellectual property. Yeah. Like, how that's yours. What cool. can't be taken away from you, right? Through Either through yeah. experience or education or hopefully a combination of the two. And how yeah. that that's yours now and how you can use that. Because that is... We don't think about it like that. You know, we, we yeah. think of it as like a qualification so that mm-hmm. I can get a job. But instead of, you know, it's something that I have that no one else has yeah. because it's in my brain and my penetrated neural pathways. That really is the one thing that nobody can strip you of mm-hmm. in any circumstance is your experience. Except Un- the unless they're like injuries to the brain, Kylo Ren Alzheimer's, and then they infiltrate your, your neural pathways. <laughs> You went sci-fi and I went sci. We stemmed it out on October. Spooky. Stem is truly outrageous. Truly outrageous. Truly, 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 truly truly outrageous. (laughs) We turned into David E. Pumpkins is what we did. Oh my God. (laughs) Tom Hanks as David E. Pumpkins. Was it David E or is it just David Pumpkins? It's just David Pumpkins, but I love that you added an E. I wish it were David S because it's David Spoon. I think it was David E. Kelly, but I turned it into David E. Pumpkins. Oh, and by the way, even though this episode will come out nowhere near Halloween, I'm going to put a link to a very silly (laughs) short film I wrote, directed, and starred in that is a parody. Thank you. It's a parody of Fixer Upper because I 
fucking love that show. Mm -hmm. But I play Joanna Gaines, who's helping a witch to buy a house and fix it up so that she can cook children in it. It's called Creeper Upper on YouTube. (laughs) I post it once a year and will for the rest of my life. But uh, that's a fun one. Yeah. It's a fun one. Anyway, Lisa, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for being on this journey. And not just today, but on this entire fucking crazy journey. I mean, we are almost two years into this yeah, and 200 episodes, give or take. And like, oh my God. So thank you for being here. And with that, everybody, life is spooky and abundant. Bye. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Saff. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.